July 17th. As we look into the New Testament today, we'll be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. We'll see how Abraham was saved. Not by works, but by faith. Salvation is not like wages that you earn or works that you can boast about. Abraham was not saved by keeping the law because the law had not been given, nor was he saved by obeying a religious ritual. It was all by God's grace. We'll see how David was saved. You know, David wrote Psalm 32 after his great sin with Bathsheba. Can God forgive a man who commits adultery, deceit, and murder? The answer, of course, is yes. When David repented and turned to God, he was forgiven. Even though the Lord allowed David to feel the bitter consequences of his sins, God justifies the ungodly, not the righteous. And you will see how you can be saved, simply by believing God's promise as Abraham did. Faith and promise go together just as law and works go together. Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation physically, but he is the father of all believers spiritually. At Calvary, our sins were put on Christ's account. When you trust Christ, God puts Christ's righteousness on your account. That's why we call the gospel good news. Now what can be more blessed than to know that your sins are forgiven? Hallelujah! And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. July 17th, Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What were his experiences concerning this question of being saved by faith? Was it because of his good deeds that God accepted him? If so, he would have had something to boast about. But from God's point of view, Abraham had no basis at all for pride. For the Scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God, so God declared him to be righteous. When people work, their wages are not a gift. Workers earn what they receive. But people are declared righteous because of their faith, not because of their work. King David spoke of this, describing the happiness of an undeserving sinner who is declared to be righteous. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose sin is no longer counted against them by the Lord. Now then, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it for the Gentiles too? Well, what about Abraham? We have been saying he was declared righteous by God because of his faith. But how did his faith help him? Was he declared righteous only after he had been circumcised, or was it before he was circumcised? The answer is that God accepted him first, and then he was circumcised later. The circumcision ceremony was a sign that Abraham already had faith, and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous, even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are made right with God by faith. 
And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised. But only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 where the Apostle Paul wrote, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. It's a term that a comedian officially coined in 2010. The term is humble brag. To humble brag is to brag about yourself behind a false show of humility or behind a false complaint. An example of humble brag might be this. At a neighborhood party, a man says, I don't know how my kids grew up to be so grounded and successful, considering what kind of dad they have. Or this. In the office lunchroom, a woman complains, I wish I could just concentrate on my own work, but everyone keeps coming to me for advice. Or this. On a first date, the young man says, You should probably know about my character flaws. For one, I'm too conscientious. For another, I tend to care too much about other people. Enough examples? No doubt you get the idea. As it turns out, recent studies have shown that humble bragging does not work very well. An article in a recent edition of Time magazine cites a study in which people actually dislike a humble brag more than a straightforward brag. In fact, they dislike a humble brag even more than a straightforward complaint. The reason for this appears to be that people smell a whiff of dishonesty in the humble brag, whereas the straightforward brag and the straightforward complaint are, at least, sincere. Which brings us to the Apostle Paul. In his second letter to the Christians in Corinth, Paul did a bit of bragging, and his bragging was humble. It was not, however, humble brag. On the contrary, Paul found himself in a moment of profound truth. You see, for a long time Paul had been painfully aware of his own weaknesses. He'd been painfully aware of his own failures. He'd been painfully aware of his own inadequacies, struggles, and imperfections. But when Paul fervently asked the Lord several times to take away some of his weakness, the Lord told Paul that it was those very weaknesses that helped Paul keep his eyes focused on God's grace, God's undeserved love in Jesus Christ. And so, take inventory of your weaknesses. Take inventory of your difficulties. Take inventory of your inadequacies and struggles. See how the Lord has used them to keep your field of vision filled with God's forgiveness of your every sin through faith in Jesus as your Savior. Give thanks for them. Rejoice in them. Parade them as precious evidence of the Lord's love for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for using my weaknesses to display your constant grace in my life. I rejoice in them, and I rejoice in you. Amen. Today we're reading Psalm 13. 
verses 1 through 6. Four times David asked how long. He had prayed, but God had hidden himself and not answered. David had examined his heart and knew of no reason why God should abandon him. The longer God waited, the more the enemy would succeed. When you have this same feeling, do what David did and talk to God with an honest and humble heart. Would God be glorified by David's defeat? Would God's cause be helped by David's death? Should the enemy rejoice while God's people suffer? David reasoned with God but did not try to tell God what to do. You know, sometimes prayer means wrestling. And there was some affirming that went on here. Faith does not always give answers, but it does give encouragement. No matter how successful the enemy appears to be, you can trust the Lord, you can rejoice in the Lord, and you can sing to the Lord and know that He will always deal bountifully with you. Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. For the choir director, a psalm of David. O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the light to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he has been so good to me. Proverbs 19, verses 15 and 16. A lazy person sleeps soundly and goes hungry. Keep the commandments and keep your life. Despising them leads to death.